Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. This is the date that you need to know about. Friday, March 22nd, 2024. That's it, folks. That is the last time you'll be able to see Tony Orlando perform. And it will be here in Connecticut. Tony Orlando of Knock Three Times and Tie a Yellow Ribbon fame and all the other songs that he had the opportunity to sing and perform over his multi-decade career of recording and performing. He will be retiring from performance at Mohegan Sun, the big arena, on Friday, March 22nd. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight Connecticut, and when I heard about this, I said, we need to get Tony on Spotlight Connecticut. And so I asked around some of my great folks, Dave in Western Pennsylvania, you know who you are, and I know where to go, and I know who to ask. And I said, okay, so if I wanted to book Tony on the show, what do I need to do? Who do I need to call? Who do I need to contact? And so sure enough, I got one phone number, and that led to an email address, and that led to somebody else emailing me, and then that led to some phone calls from some folks. And lo and behold, here it is on Spotlight Connecticut for the whole hour. We're going to call it the Tony Orlando Morgan Cunningham Show, okay, because that's what this is all going to be. It's all about Tony and his music and how much I love all of these songs. I really do. Tony Orlando's on the line on WTIC News Talk 1080, and I think he's here. Hi, Tony. Morgan, I'm sorry. This is Tony Orlando. I'm five minutes late. Hi, Tony. No, uh, according to my clock, you're right on time. Hey! <laughs> Thank God my, uh, my watch is fast. You know, I, I got to say, it's so cool to talk to you on the phone because, you know, when I usually hear you, you're chatting on Saturday nights with Cousin Brucey. You'll go on his show. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Before my show, yeah. Yeah, yeah always yeah. fun with him. He's a great guy. Well, you know, here's the crazy thing about him. The very first time I ever stepped on a stage, this is a beautiful story, actually, was with Cousin Bruce. I was 16 years old at Palisades Park. I am closing out my career at Mohegan Sun Arena. And who do you think is going to introduce me? Bruce Morrow. Get out. 64, 64 years later. Oh, my goodness, Tony, that's amazing. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. Yeah, you know, because you know, we hear stories like that in our business, you know. All these years, the first time I ever walked on stage, ever, I was scared. And I walked out, and Cousin Brucey introduced me. And I have a picture of him interviewing me that day. Wow. Sixty-one. Isn't that insane? I hope you're going to share the picture at the show, are you? Yeah. And here's the thing, Tony, what people probably don't know about him. He is as friendly in person as he comes off on the air. Oh, he's got a heart of gold. He's the one that suggested the station to call me during the pandemic to do two hours after him. And, uh, well, I'm in my third year. The show is a huge success. It's huge success streaming around the world. And uh, all because of Bruce, you know, he was the one that said, get on. So I'm having a fun time doing radio, man. I'm having a ball. I love listening to you. I remember you told this great story about Elvis Presley being a fan of yours. It's crazy. When Elvis was working the Hilton Hotel in Las Vegas, I started there in 73 in the same hotel. So very often I would go in 
uh, when he closes, or he would come in when I close. We'd hang around, hang out in the dressing room. So one day I said, I said, Elvis, I'm embarrassed to say this to you, but I had a hit record when I was 16 years old called Halfway to Paradise. And somebody wrote a note saying it was you, that you had it in your jukebox. He goes, see, that was me. I said, what? He said, Tony, what did you do with the note? I said, I threw it away. I didn't think it was you. I, I thought it was somebody just messing with me. Yeah, it's been an amazing journey, this journey of mine, this, this career. It's been a dream come true. And, you know, people say you're retiring. Yeah, I'm retiring from the road. I'm retiring from delayed flights, canceled flights, over overpaying for hotel rooms, uh, cancellations, delays. The shows on stage are easy. But like I told my wife, I can still hit the ball. I just can't run the bases. And, and that's basically the truth. And I saw that Elton retired and Kenny Loggins retired. I said, you know what? I think these guys got it right. There's a time to move over and let the young, younger people have it. People are looking at your career and how you performed to this date an incredible 64 shows at Mohegan Sun. And your last one there will be your 65th. And people yeah. might be wondering, why Mohegan? Why this venue for your last show? Well, you know, there's a guy that was with Mohegan in 1998, Maynard Strickland. And Maynard and Shannon Strickland, Maynard is a Mohegan tribe member and a music lover. And he would call my manager then, David Brokaw. We want him in the Wolf Den. And then I said, well, what is the Wolf Den? Now, remember, the Wolf Den, then, there was no hotel, there was no arena, and it was just the Wolf Den. And so I asked what it was like, and they said, well, you're in the middle, and all the slot machines are, are visible, and you're in the middle of the casino. And I went, I can't work in the middle of the casino. Are you guys crazy? This went on for two years. And finally, I said, okay, because Lou Rawls told me he worked it. He said, you'll love it, Tony. So I go, and I do the show, and I fell in love not only with that Wolf Den, I fell in love with Maynard and his wife, Shannon. And then I became close and spent many Christmases with the tribe. So in essence, since 1999, the Mohegan tribe and I have been family. And so when I said I was going to retire, I wanted to retire in my favorite venue. Who ends up being the president in charge of entertainment and sports, Tom Cantone, who's a long-time brother, like a brother to me. And so it was the right thing. It's retiring with what I call my show business family, my brother Tom, my brother and sister Maynard and Shannon, and the tribe. And that's why I picked it, because it's my favorite venue. Not only did I work the Wolf Den, but when they opened the cabaret, I opened that with Tony Bennett. And then when they opened up the arena, they were kind enough to bring me into the arena, and I've been there in that arena ever since. I don't remember what year, but I'm thinking like the moment Tom Cain came in as president, he moved me into the arena, and I've been there ever since. 12,000 seats, just been voted the number one venue in the United States of America by Polestar that knows, knows those things. So... Um, 
that was the natural thing for me to do is end with my show business family, my Mohegan tribe family, and of course my friend for life, Tom Cantone. Tony, I've got to tell you, my mother, Angie, first of all, she says hi. Hi, Angie. <laughs> and she also wants you to know that she's stuck in the 70s, and when you played at the cabaret, she saw you there. Isn't that great? Oh, my God. I hope I could see her. Yes, you know, we're going to get her to the show. I'm going to be there. What you probably don't know about me, Tony, is I'm 27 years old. My God, you you could be my son. No, you could be my you could be my grandson. <laughs> oh, Tony, you know it's the music to me. I love the music, and my mother. We could thank her, or blame her, but I think I I thank her. You know for getting me hooked on um all this music from yesteryear, and she probably never expected in the early two thousands when you were at the cabaret that I would be talking with you one day. Well, I hope I meet her, and by the sound of your voice, if you're twenty seven and you're your heart comes through the radio and through this phone. You're a tribute to your mom, Angie. I want to speak to your mom. You know, we as parents, Angie, pray that our sons and our daughters are raised into good people that respect their parents. And let me just tell you, by the sound of your son, he's a tribute to you. You've done a great job, and he's even continuing that job and making it greater. And so you to be congratulated on this young man that you've raised. And I know I sound like an old grandpa, but the truth of the matter is as you get older, you begin to appreciate the more simplistic things in life. You know, my sister was, uh, well, she died at 21 years old and she had an IQ of an eight month old baby her entire life, brain damage at birth. And I, would take care of her. And my sister taught me so much. Couldn't speak. She ate strained baby food until she died at 21 years old. We changed the diapers until she was 21 years old because she couldn't do it any other way. But my sister taught me things like the ability to, to respect the ability to scratch my own itch because she couldn't. So I would search, oh, my God, and when I finally found that itch, and I would scratch it, she'd go, ah. And that taught me to say to an audience, sing along, because you can. Clap your hands, because you can. Don't be so worried about how you look. You're going to ruin your sophistication. Come on. Feel the sting of the rhythm when you hit your two hands together. It's a great sting. It's a great feeling. I learned all that stuff from a child who couldn't even speak. So as a parent, I appreciate a healthy child and one like you that respects his mom enough to bring her up in this conversation. You ought to be complimented, and I mean that. Tony, I don't even know what to say to that other than thank you. And, yes, I'll make sure my mom hears it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And I really mean this. I want to see her. I want to meet her backstage. All right, Tony. Well, if you say so, we're going to make it happen. And tell you what, let me tell you, I was just recently backstage at Mohegan for the very first time ever. Lovely area backstage. I love that Beatles quote. It's wonderful to be here. You know, from Sergeant Peppers that's on the hallway leading out to the stage. And while I was there, 
I met Bowser and his gang. I had interviewed Jay Siegel of the Tokens, and they produced for you. Yes, sir. Yeah, he produced Candida. And not three times. You know what he said to me? I sent him an email the other day. I told him, I said, Jay, I've got Tony Orlando coming on the show. And here's what he said. He said, you treated your studio recordings as if you were on stage before thousands of fans. So could you tell me about when you were in the studio, the mindset that you were in? Well, Jay's right. I'm an entertainer. And to get a performance out of me, Hank Pedris, who was also Jay's partner in the studio, we're not getting the performance off a normal recording mic. And they kept saying, there's something, there's not, there's something happening. We've got to fix this. And Jay said, let's give him a hand mic. And he gave me the hand mic, and that changed everything. Because then I was not only recording, I was had a hand mic like I was on stage. So the entertainer came out of me. And that's what they loved those guys and so that's how we got ended up with those those uh, performances this is wtic in hartford recognizing the best fans on spotlight connecticut hi it's nadine in clinton i'm listening to spotlight connecticut with morgan cunningham you know a song of yours i've always loved say has anybody seen my sweet gypsy rose and you're talking to somebody i love scott joplin music ragtime and i hear that kind of influence in that song why are you bringing out the ragtime influences for that kind of song and i believe the whole album that it was on Erwin Levine, the lyricist to that song, and Larry Brown, the music writer to that song, were big Al Jolson fans. I'll give you an example. They'll kill me for this, but you can't get sued because you have to have seven notes in a bar. Now, Al Jolson's big hit record was Rockabye Your Baby, right? So the first line on Rockabye Your Baby, the melody goes like this. Rockabye Your Baby. Now watch, say, has anybody, note for note, Wow! first line. Now they didn't steal it, but they were such big fans of of ragtime and, and Jolson and music of the 20s. It just happened that way. And so when we did the album, I turned to the writers and to Hank Medris and to Jay, and I said, why don't we call this album Tony Lennon and Dawn's New Ragtime Follies? Because... I love the Zigfield Follies, which was from the 20s. And so these writers were writing that way, writing the music that way. So I used Follies for the Zigfield Follies and Ragtime, exactly what you just said. There was an influence of Ragtime in that song. And that became a platinum album for us. Tony Orlando is our guest this week on Spotlight Connecticut. This as he gets ready now for his final performance of all time. And it will be on March 22nd, 2024 at Mohegan Sun. Going into the break with, say, has anybody seen my sweet Gypsy Rose? The last ever performance Tony Orlando will give will be at Mohegan Sun at the arena on Friday, March 22nd. And Tony's with us this afternoon on Spotlight Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham, and you can find me on social media, Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, and Instagram. My username is at MC News Talk. Now, we just came into the show again here, getting out of the break with, he don't love you like I love you. Now, true story here, Tony, true story as we get him back on the line. For years, I was fascinated by the fact that that is a cover song. Now, the original title is He Will Break Your Heart. It's a 1960 record by Jerry Butler. 
But here comes Tony Orlando, and he's calling it, He Doesn't Love You Like I Love You. And I had told myself, in the rare event that I ever get the chance to talk with Tony Orlando, I'm going to ask him, why is that? Tony? Boy, you're so you're great. You're so great. Um, you know, remember, you don't fade that away, the actress, right? Yes. She was married to Peter Wolf of Jay Giles' band. And I was co-hosting the... Golden Globes in LA and we were on a break and Peter says to me, Hey, Hey is an expert on all these songs. Just test her. Ask her what color the label was on come go with me by the Dell Vikings. And she gets it right. Then she says, and here's the serial number seven, six, two, three, four, seven, nine. Now, I didn't know if she was making the numbers up. When I go home, I look, and she was right on. That's the kind of fan she was. Well, she said to me backstage there, you know what song you should cut with Tellman Joyce? He will break your heart. Let's start singing it. So he, Peter, myself, and we started singing it for fun in the hallway. I said, you know what, Faye? I'm going to call Curtis Mayfield. I think you're right. So I called Curtis Mayfield, who wrote the song with Jerry Butler, and I said, Curtis, the song is called He Will Break Your Heart, but you never say, you never even say he will break your heart. But you say, he don't love you like I love you 9,000 times over. I said, can I change the name of He Will Break Your Heart to He Don't Love You Like I Love You? He said, Tony, let me ask you a couple of questions first. He said, are you and Telma and Joyce recording it as a single? I said, yeah. He said, will you do it on your television show? I said, yeah. He said, well, in that case, I don't care if you change the name to Old MacDonald Had a Farm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He said, go for it. So I went and changed it to He Don't Love You Like I Love You because that was the hook. That's what we kept singing. He will break your hearts, not even in the record. So I asked Curtis, you're not going to believe this answer. I said, Curtis, why didn't you call it He Don't Love You? He said, I'm a black man. I didn't want to sound illiterate. He Don't Love You is improper. It's He Doesn't Love You. Uh, I never would have imagined that. Wow. Isn't that a stunning answer? And for everybody's knowledge here, we're talking about Curtis Mayfield of Superfly and Freddy's Dead fame. What awesome records those are. You're not kidding, man. You're one of the great songwriters. Also, he wrote a little song for a movie called Amen. Amen. The Impressions. Yeah. You know, there's this photo of you circulating on the internet. You're dancing with former First Lady Betty Ford, and you're having the time of your life, and it looks like she is, too. Well, I became very close friends with the Ford family, and when... President Ford was running for president. I campaigned for him along with Cary Grant and Sonny Bono. The three of us were campaigning for him at the time. We loved him very much. And that picture that you saw um, happened at the 1976 Republican convention. I was in the presidential box with her and they started playing Yellow Ribbon. And the next thing you know, she said, come on, I'm an old hoofer. Let's dance. And And it became the front page of the New York Times, and the rest was a historical picture kind of thing. What people really ought to know, Tony, is that you have been such a big supporter of veterans, 
Your whole career has been defined by tie a yellow ribbon, right? I mean, there are so many other things, but everyone knows that song, at least. And when I think about you, when I think about that song and your commitment to veterans, I think it's a really beautiful thing. It really is, Tony. It is. I, and I was just the mailman that delivered the letter. The guys that wrote the song, those two guys we just mentioned, Urban Levine and, and Larry Brown, and he goes under the name of L. Russell Brown, why I don't know, but it's Larry Brown. And uh, they had no idea what they were doing when they wrote that song. And that it be, you know what that song has done? Since 1973, I'm told, and I don't know how specific or righteous this number is, but I'm told by people who know these things, they fundraisers, they told me that on behalf of veterans, that song has raised well over $100 million on behalf of veterans. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and then, if you think about it, the first time I ever performed that song was with Bob Hope to welcome home the POWs in Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. Then, to welcome home the Iranian hostage crisis, those who were held captive in Iran for 444 days, that song became their signature. And as a matter of fact, when they came home, Reagan was president, Pennsylvania Avenue was inundated with yellow ribbons, and the space shuttle flew in honor of those uh, hostages coming home with a yellow ribbon on it. Then it went on to Desert Storm again. Then it went on the back of U.S. Uh, U.S. automobiles. You often saw support our troops with a yellow ribbon around it. it. Became a symbol of supporting American troops. And here's the crazy thing: is that right now, as we're speaking, in Israel. On every building, every lamppost, and and people in office are wearing not only yellow ribbons on their lapels, but wearing yellow ties, and that includes Netanyahu. The whole country, as a symbol to recognize the homecoming of those hostages, hopefully, the yellow ribbon is played every day as the, as the day starts in Jerusalem. The same thing holds true in Hong Kong. Right now in Hong Kong, when people are fighting for their democracy and, and hoping that China doesn't take them over, it's yellow ribbon that they play at all their freedom, uh, uh, you know, when they get together and have thousands of people, you know, praying for their freedom, they're wearing yellow ribbon. So the song has taken on so many different important causes over 15 countries it's astonishing what one song can do. And Erwin Levine and Larry Brown, they probably have written the most important freedom song ever. I mean, you know, you should take Blowing in the Wind. We all think of Bob Dylan as the guy that wrote the freedom songs of, of our time. But my kudos to those two writers who wrote that song. I was just the mailman who delivered the letter. But that song has been re-recorded over 1,000 times by different artists from Frank Sinatra to Dean Martin to Dolly Parton. So they have done something as songwriters that most songwriters just could dream about. And I was just privileged to be part of the journey. So it's been an incredible, how do I describe it? A shock when I think back that that song changed my life, not only as a performer, 
but also as an American, because I got a chance to raise money for every veteran who's put their life on the line for us and performed free shows since 1973. That's well over 50 years ago. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight, Connecticut. Our guest this week, Tony Orlando. We'll wrap it up with him in just a few minutes on WTIC. This is WTIC in Hartford. Spotlight, Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Morgan Cunningham. On WTIC News Talk 1080. Among my last final questions for you, Tony, because you've been so gracious with your time and you're so kind and fun. I have to know, you know, of all the places that you've gone and of all the people that you've met, is there anybody that stands out to you? There are so many people. Look, when I first started, there was a guy named Don Kirshner who put the first brick on my yellow brick road. And then when I went to television, there was Freddie Silverman who finished the road. And then there's my faith in God. And that was the ultimate teacher and the ultimate strength. So to be honest with you, if the most important person that stands out in my life is the person I pray to every night, and every morning. Tony, I think I also forgot to mention, I've heard from a number of people wondering about Dawn. So how are Thelma and Joyce doing? My God, they're doing great. Thelma, I don't, people don't realize this about her because she's not an egotist. She should be. She has not been off television for 50 years. She came on our show. She's the longest running sitcom actress in history. She came on the Tony Orlando and Dawn show. When we broke up in 77, she then went on to a show called Roots. From there, she went on to a show called Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks for four years. And then she went on to Give Me a Break with Del Carter for five years. And then she was Aunt Rachel on Family Matters for 15 years. And then she was on Half and Half for five years. And then she was on Are We There Yet for three more years. And then she was on Dead to Me on Netflix for all these years currently. And we still talk to each other all the time. And the same for Joyce. And Joyce, the quiet one, a much more reserved one, and an incredible singer, Thelma will tell you, she was of the three of us. She had an amazing voice, as well as Thelma. But Joyce has been keeping the music of the Supremes alive because she was close to the Supremes going up in Detroit. And she goes out in a group called Ladies of the Supremes to keep the music of Motown, specifically of the Supremes, alive and well. She's a great woman, a great mother, and a great friend. And we still talk to each other. And they still come on my radio show. And I'm hoping maybe tell them, I don't know if she has the time. She's doing a movie right now to get to Mohegan Sun. I think Joyce is coming, but if they both came, that would be a thrill. I don't know. We'll see. Well, that would be a real hoot. So fingers crossed. And if you could give advice to somebody getting started in music or in the business somehow, what would the advice be? Well, there's two, two parts to the advice. One, don't do it for money. Do it for the love of the art. Do it because you love music. And don't have your expectations be connected to money. Have it connected to making people happy, making yourself happy, and writing great songs or great scripts or whatever it is that your creative talents take you to. 
And don't worry about it because product first, everything follows later. The other piece of advice I got from, from the great Groucho Marx when I was just starting out, I walked up to him and I said, Mr. Marx, you're a legend in this business. Is there anything I should remember? I'm now in show business. I'm doing pretty well with a TV show. He says, I've seen the show. Here's my advice to you, Tony. Never lose the ability to say thank you. And I never, never took that for granted. And I believe in my heart that a thank you to the audience, a thank you to the radio in, uh, interviewer like yourself, a thank you to the record company people, a thank you to the person who walks up and asks for their autograph. That is what's carried me through 64 years in business. And I want to thank you for doing this. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And you tell Angie that I can't wait to meet her and her son. And let me give you in caps, and I'll spell it out for you. T-H-A-N-K, capital Y-O-U. No, thank you, Tony. There he is, folks. Tony Orlando. Yes. Tie a ribbon around the old oak tree. Say, has anybody seen my sweet gypsy rose? Knock three times. Candida, he don't love you. All those songs and so many more. And he's going to play those and sing those one last time. And it will happen here in Connecticut. He's ending his career as a performer at Mohegan Sun at the arena on Friday, March 22nd. Jot down that date, put it on your calendar, put it in your phone, and find out more by going to Mohegan Sun's website. You can get all the information you need about tickets there to see Tony Orlando's big finale, the end of his performing career, again here in Connecticut on March 22nd. Thank you, Tony, for coming on Spotlight Connecticut. If you're out there, you can find me, get in touch with me, let me know what you think of the show, give me ideas. You can find me on Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, and Instagram at MC News Talk. We'll be back next week to celebrate WTIC's March to 100 Years of Broadcasting. Bye-bye, everybody. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.